Okay, think about it. God delights in using little things. Oh, thou Bethlehem Ephrata, little are you. Hey, are you little enough to become big enough for God to use? Welcome to Treasure Truth with Pastor and author James Ford Jr., Senior Pastor of Christ Bible Church in Chicago. I'm Steve Hiller. Glad that you're with us today as we continue a message we began last time, O Little Town of Bethlehem. You know, we were reminded last time that Bethlehem seemed to be this very insignificant place where God chose to have the Savior of the world be born. An insignificant place where one of the most significant things ever in all of history happened. And as we open our Bibles to Micah chapter 5 today, we're going to be taking a look at how God may be using these seemingly little or insignificant things to actually accomplish big and very significant things. Pastor Ford is going to share just some compelling stories that remind us of just that. So if you can, open up uh, your Bible and join us in Micah 5 as we begin our time in God's Word together. Here is Pastor Ford. You don't mind the Bible, do you? Let's do a Bible study. Now watch this. Verse 2 is about a person. Isn't that right? The person is going to change everything. That's what the butt tells us. Now, what is he going to change? Now remember, I told you to read chapters 1 through 4, and you will find gloom and doom. I mean, here's what he's saying. God is putting the Board of Education to the seat of learning. He is whooping their tail like a rope like okri. They crying, I won't do it anymore. Please don't hit me. And God's saying, I ain't even got started yet. Any, anybody ever got a whip like that? You ain't got whipped till you got whipped by a mother from the country. And that's what God is doing. He is whooping their behind. And I don't know if you know it, but the Bible says judgment must begin at the house of God. And if the righteous scarcely be saved, wherein will the sinner abide? Okay, I done told you. Yeah. Anyway, so notice the person inserted. Now, here's what I want to do. I just want to walk you through verses 3 through 14. And I want to show you verse 2, the person is inserted who changes everything. Verses 3 through 14, I want you to see the provision because of this person. Now, of course, this is the millennial kingdom, but let me just put it in terms of us, if you don't mind. Verse 3. Because of verse 2, verse 3 says, God will reunite and restore us. Verse 4, he will refresh and care for us anew. Verses 5 through 6, he will ruin our enemies. Uh, verse 7, the remnant will bless others. In other words, he's saying there, there's a remnant and everything is messed up, tore up from the floor up, but... You will be the remnant, and you're going to bless others out of the residuals of my restoration for you. Then, uh, verses 8 and 9, he'll reinstate your dominance. You used to be the head, and now you're the tail because of your disobedience. I'm going to restore you and make you the head again. Then, in verses 10 and 11, I'm going to remove your dependence uh, uh, upon military might. Then verse 12, I'm going to wreck and tear down your idols. Now, wait a minute. See, that's one of the reasons they were getting the whooping in the first place. Well, God, shouldn't they repent of their idols? Here's what God is saying in verse 12. He's saying this. I asked you to repent, but you wouldn't. So what I'm going to do now is I'm going to make sure that you repent. You say, wait a minute. How is God going to do that? Let me put it this way. I got to come get somebody so you understand what I'm saying. 
Here's what he's saying. He's saying you knew that you shouldn't have been hooked up with somebody who ain't hooked up with Jesus, but you did it anyway. So now, since you won't leave them, I'm going to have them leave you. And let me tell you that that is not a good thing. That is not a good thing. Oh, Lord. Oh, Lord. Why don't you bring her back together again? Oh, Lord. Bring her back. Oh, Lord. She's my dream. And God says, no, she's your nightmare. You don't know it, but I know it. And I, I want her to kick you to the curb because you won't kick them to the curb. Uh, you know, because all uh, this fornication and adultery stuff is, you know what it is? It's an addiction to a person. That's what it is. An addiction to a person. So did you understand that? If you did, say amen. All right, all right. So what, what do you say? He says uh, in verses 13 and 14, retribution will be made against the nations that opposed you. Look at your neighbor. Look at your neighbor. Say, neighbor, have you put Jesus in your mix yet? Yeah, let them know the reason your situation is jacked up and you tore up from the floor up because you haven't gotten the checkup from the neck up. You haven't put Jesus in the mix. So now you have the intervention at Bethlehem, Judah. That's what Christmas is all about, that God is about to intervene. And we ought to know that. Listen, listen, listen. If you have trouble with the flesh, Psalm 73, 26 says this, my flesh and my heart faileth, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. Maybe your haters are, are wearing you out. Put Jesus in the equation and you'll be like Joseph in Genesis 50, 20. They meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. He'll take their heteration and use it for your elevation. Ain't nobody praying with me in here. Ephesians chapter 2, 1 through 4. Chapter 1, we were dead in trespasses and sin. Chapter 2, we were depraved in our minds. Chapter 3, uh, we were darkened in our desires. Chapter Chapter four, but God, who is rich in mercy, saved us. Man, I tell you, that's exciting to me. That's ex even Jesus knew it because Acts 13, 29 and 30 said, they took him down from the tree, laid him in a sepulcher, but God raised him from the dead. Yeah, but God, but God, I don't care what your situation is. You need to put up, but God in that situation. I don't have a job, but God. Yeah, things ain't going well, but God, you've got to put a but God in that situation because that puts God in your mix. Anybody that wants that thing straightened out, got to put Jesus in the mix. Now, I'm going to tell you about a, a struggling preacher, a small unknown, you never heard of him, struggling preacher, church in Dallas, Texas, small church, Tony Evans. And uh, Tony Evans was sharing with us pastors, he said, uh, we were there on campus for his conference. Great campus. Every time I go there, I have to repent of covetousness. And, I mean, he got a school. He's got a 3,000-seat sanctuary, on and on and on. This kind of ministry that I love, you know, not just big, but big with a purpose. And uh, so he starts sharing about how they got the property. Let me share it with you. He said uh, he, he was looking for the property. He came on it, and God gave him a Joshua 1. Walk around it. I'm giving it to you. And so he said, I knew God wanted me to have it. And so he said, but when we went to City Hall, they wouldn't let us buy it. They didn't want another church. So there were three members of the council who were against it, who had power over most of the people in the council. Now, y'all don't know anything about that. But three people controlled all 21. But y'all don't know anything about that at Christ Bible Church. Where Christ is the master, the Bible is the message, and the church is his members. 
We don't know anything about that. So anyway, they said they're not going to get in here. So the day came when the council was going to vote and Tony had his team up there. They were there at 8 o'clock when the meeting was supposed to start. 8.15, these three people ain't show up. 8.30, these three people didn't show up. Quarter to nine, these three people ain't show up. Nine o'clock, these three people ain't show up. So Tony goes and says, now how long are we going to wait for them? And uh, the, the chairperson says, yeah, you're right. It's been an hour. I'm going to wait 15 more minutes. And they didn't show up. He said, look, we're going to take the vote with, with, with just the 18 of us or 19 of us that are here. And they voted unanimously to sell them the property. Later on, Tony said, let me tell you what happened to them. They had gotten together on the phone that night and decided, listen, now this is what we're going to do. We're going to exert our influence so the church don't get this property. So tomorrow, let's ride together so we can strategize. Now, from what I understand in the story, they had never ridden together to work at all. Now, this is the first time they're riding together. They're riding to vote against and to persuade everybody else to vote against. He said he found out that they had a flat tire on the expressway. And they went to get the spare, and it was flat. See, I got I to gotta peer behind the curtain that's called providence. Can I, can I do that? Say, do it. They were opposing what God said. So God said, Tony, take a chill pill. I got this. They're on their way, conniving. And God says, pow! Come up close. Let me whisper it. You better be careful what you oppose when somebody tells you that God said this is the way it ought to be. Better be careful. Now, let me just, let me just, let me just, let me just put my disclaimer on it. I'm talking about any leader of ministry. I'm talking about a choir director who's directing for God. And God says, today, this is the color that we're going to wear. Then everybody ought to say, amen. Nobody ought to say, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. Only, only, only thing you ought to say is, I don't have that color. Is there something else we could do? Or, or can I borrow one? Or y'all can give me some money so, so I can go get me, a, me a, that color or something? You know what I mean? But other than that, that's what the person said. That's the way it ought to be. If he said, do this, then we ought to do that. As long as he is following Christ, we ought to follow them. That's the problem in the church. Everybody got their own thing. Well, this is not Ford's thing. This is not the elder's thing. This is not the general's thing. This is God's thing. And as long as we're saying in this place, thus saith the Lord, then you only got two options. Step up to it or step out of it. And so he says, this is the intervention at Christmas time. What a reminder of how the Lord did intervene in history at Christmas. Pastor James Ford Jr., a Bible teacher here on Treasure Truth, and part of a message entitled, O Little Town of Bethlehem. I know you may not be able to be by your radio for each and every broadcast, but you don't have to miss Pastor Ford's teaching. In addition to being able to listen online, you can also listen through a mobile device if you have the Moody Radio app. It's available for Apple products and Android products, and you'll find the links to the app, which is free, when you come to our website. Just stop by treasuredtruthradio.org. Well, let's get back to the message, A Little Town of Bethlehem. Again, here is Pastor Ford. Man, this thing 
really wrecked me. And see, you know, we've been talking about, you know, because I'm part of the problem. You know, I got these long messages in a short period of time. But it's like all this good stuff in here. I mean, it's like there's some good stuff in here that we just pass it by. So the intervention. So, so what is the only response that you give to God for this? You praise Jesus. Okay, I got to give you an Israel story. We go to Israel. There are four of us. We're having a great time. We go to the church of the nativity now. Everybody know what that is? Okay, anybody not know? Okay, nativity of his birth, right? And so we go there. And uh, it's a long line. Let me tell you, it's a serpentine line around the church of nativity twice. It's a big building. It's bigger than this block. And the people are waiting. So, so they just say, how long a wait do we have? Two and a half hours to get in there. People were waiting two and a half hours to get in there. We're standing there, and I'm going to use it for another sermon, uh, but we didn't have to wait. I'll tell you why in another sermon. I don't want to waste all my illustrations, and, uh, but I, I'm, I'm going to tell you why, but I, I'll bring that back up. But here's, I was watching it, and I said, oh, wow. And so the other three preachers said, oh, he didn't got another sermon, illustrations. I said, I'm in the midst of sermon. Everything here is in the midst of sermon. I said, but you see that look. And so they looked at the doorway, and they said, okay, what are you going to say? All the people, all that. I said, are y'all watching? Look at what they're doing. No matter what their size is, guess what? Here's the door. Here's what they did. Everybody, no matter what their size, in order to get in the church of nativity, they got to bow. They got to bow. And I said, all you see is people. I don't care what they think about him. As long as they're going in there, they're bowing. They're bowing. And I said, that's the response that ought to be in the church of Jesus Christ, that people uh, that come in that know what Jesus has done, that know all that he's brought to them. When they come into his presence with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise, there ought to be some bowing. People ought to be bowing. They ought to be bowing. When I think of the goodness of Jesus, I bow. And all that he's done for I bow. He woke me up this morning, bow. He started me on my way, bow. Put food on my table, bow. Put clothes on my back, bow. Put little money in my pocket, bow. But he, he did it, he did it, he did it, he did it. Bow, 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 bow. Now notice this little town of Bethlehem. Check this out. But thou, Bethlehem Athrata. Did you see that? Okay, let's go back to English 101. I learned that if it is an animate object, it can have a personal pronoun. A personal pronoun lets you know that you're talking to a person. So thou, King James, but you. But wait a minute. This is a city, and a city is not a person. So, and it does not take the personal pronoun you. Now, why, God, do you have Micah personifying, everybody knows that means, attributing personality to a city? Let me tell you why. Every time he does it, it's a decree. Now, you, you're looking at me saying, so, and I'm getting ready to tell you that since it is the decree, that means it's a promise. And since it is a promise, that means it's God's plan. And since it is God's plan, that means you don't have to worry about providing not one thing. God will provide everything. Hey, you're looking for the answer among yourselves. You had looked 
to idols. You had looked to all these nations. Quit looking around. Quit looking down. Start looking up. Mm -mm -mm. Now notice with me, secondly, notice secondly with me, not just the intervention at Bethlehem, Judah. It's all about Jesus Christ. Notice the identification of Bethlehem, Judah. We talking about, it says, O thou Bethlehem of Flata. Now get this. Bethlehem means holler it out. House of bread. So you get that? The bread of life, John 6, was born in the house of bread. I like that. God does that. See, I'm not the only one who likes alliteration and aphorisms. But then, aphrata, who knows what it means? Fruitfulness. And then everybody knows what Judah means. Come on. Praise. Get that. There's your three-point sermon right there. The person of Christ provides we ought to praise. Yeah, yeah. Now, 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 I'm going to leave that alone because I could work that one. But here's what I want to work. Why two names? Why not just said, O thou Bethlehem? Okay, let me ask you a question. I want to get you in here. I want to get you in this sermon. If I said, and I want you to respond, I got to tell you I want you to respond because you don't even respond when I say I want you to respond. So I want you to know I want you to respond. If I said Washington, what would you say? Okay, my question is, why didn't you say Indiana? If I say Paris, what would you say? Why didn't you say Mississippi? Uh, if I say Hollywood, what would you say? Uh, why didn't you say Florida? Uh, if I say Lima, why didn't you say Ohio? There's a, a Lima in Ohio. If I say Albany, why didn't you say Georgia? There's an Albany in Georgia. If I said Springfield, why don't you say Massachusetts? Because there's a Springfield, Massachusetts, Pittsburgh. You better not miss that. You better not mess that up. Okay, let me try this again. Pittsburgh. Yeah. Well, why didn't you say Kansas? Because there's a Pittsburgh in Kansas. Chicago. Well, why didn't you say Wisconsin? Because there's a Chicago, Wisconsin. I'll tell you why we didn't. We said what was the most popular usage. That's why he says Bethlehem of Flata, because there were two. There was Bethlehem in Galilee, that's in the north. Seven miles from Nazareth, I've been in both places. I just want to tell you that. But this Bethlehem of Frata is in Judah in the south. Now get this. In Joshua chapter 19, it's listed for the first time in scripture. But in Joshua chapter 15, it's not listed. Now, there are a couple of reasons. One, they're taking the census. And so this city then was one that was not very inhabited at that time. They didn't list it. The other reason is nobody wanted it. They're claiming cities nobody wanted it. It's the city that nobody wanted. So in Nehemiah 11, when they take the census of the cities, it's not even included there. And that's some thousand years later. So it has always been something that is insignificant. But if you look at it, there are things that happened there. What happened there? Rachel 
died and was buried there. Ruth, uh, that's where she was. Uh, David was anointed there as king. David, remember, uh, had refreshing water there. Now Micah says that's where the king is coming from. Man, you see what I'm trying to tell you? That God has taken the insignificant and made it significant. Man, that's what I love about my God. You see, you, see, you didn't get the impress of that because if you did, you would relate it to yourself. Okay, think about it. God delights in using little things. Oh, thou Bethlehem Ephrata, little are you. Hey, are you little enough to become big enough for God to use? See, the problem is some of us are not small enough for God to use. We're too big. Yeah, but he uses the little things. He delights in doing that. Okay, let me run the roll. I'm just going to run the roll. Moses, you have Pharaoh after you, Ramesses II. So God says, Moses, uh, you and me, we're going to take care of them. How are we going to do it, God? Uh, you, me, and that stick in your hand. The average one of us said, huh? Oh, no, it ain't in my hand no more. Uh-uh. You got to give me something better than that. You got to give me. And God said, no, me, you, and a stick going to defeat Pharaoh's army. Here's David. And, and he's 17 or 18 years old, 16, 17 or 18. And Goliath comes in. All the soldiers are afraid of him. We know that he wasn't uh, uh, military age because you got to be 20 to fight. And he, wouldn't, he wasn't in the war, so he wasn't 20. And, and so what does he do? God, him, a slingshot, and a rock. Now, not the kind you smoke, but the kind you throw. You're listening to Treasure Truth with Pastor and author James Ford Jr. And uh, got a question. Are you little enough to be used by God? We're going to hear more from this message, A Little Town of Bethlehem, on our next broadcast. You know, with every passing Christmas, it seems like there's more and more of a stir in the media about removing Jesus from our culture. But, you know, it's not just something that happens during the holidays. People seem to be increasingly hostile to Jesus every other day of the year. And maybe you've noticed this trend, and you're wondering, man, what could we do about that? Well, you want to get your hands on a book from Dr. Joe Stoll called The Trouble with Jesus. You might recognize Dr. Stoll's name as the former president of the Moody Bible Institute. Well, his book, The Trouble with Jesus, is an account of his experiences with anti-Christian attitudes and behaviors in Chicago and across America. And as you read the book, you're going to gain insights into where our culture seems to be heading and then how to respond with hope. So contact us today with a gift of any amount, and we'll email you a link to the digital download of The Trouble with Jesus. Call us at 888-644-7660, or go online to treasuretruthradio.org. Well, as we count down to the new year, your gift is more important than ever. You know, there's no better time to voice your support and to give to Moody Radio than when we prepare for another year of ministry. So when you contact us, be sure to mention that you'd like the book by Dr. Stoll called The Trouble with Jesus. Give your year-end gift right now when you call 888-644-7660. Or you can give online when you go to treasuretruthradio.org. Our producer is Amy Rios, and I'm Steve Hiller. Thanks for listening today. Merry Christmas, and I hope you'll join us again tomorrow for Treasure Truth, a production of Moody Radio, a ministry of Moody Bible Institute.